0: I'm Brian Foster and this is the Grindhouse Institute. On each episode of this podcast, Jeremy Floyd and I program a triple feature movie night. Each of the movies share common themes and we discuss them here. We're happy you could join us for today's block we call the Ed Gein Trilogy. In 1957, a hardware store owner named Bernice Warden disappeared. An investigation into Bernice's disappearance led authorities to the farm of Ed Gein, a local recluse. At the farm, Bernice's body was found, fatally shot and decapitated with her insides removed. Deeper investigation showed that Gaines' home was filled with household items, clothing, and masks, all created using human body parts and flesh. This true account of the infamous killer became the basis for several books and films. Today, we're going to be taking a dive into three films that were all inspired by the gruesome actions of Ed Gein. We all go a little mad sometimes, Marion Crane is on the run after stealing $40,000 from her employer. Taking the back roads in an effort to avoid the police, Marion pulls off to a small motel and takes cinema's most infamous shower. Anthony Perkins and Janet Leigh star in the Alfred Hitchcock classic, Psycho, from 1960. Sally and Franklin Hardesty take a van full of friends down memory lane to visit the Hardesty family homestead. Instead, they encounter a different family, one with a love of bone sculptures, human taxidermy, and, of course, chainsaws. This is Toby Hooper's 1974 classic, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Quid pro quo Clarice Starling, an FBI trainee, is dispatched to interview the notorious serial killer and brilliant psychiatrist Hannibal the Cannibal Lecter. Her goal? to find out if by some cosmically improbable coincidence, Lecter knows Buffalo Bill. Anthony Hopkins stars alongside Jodie Foster in the film that won the Big Five Academy Awards, Jonathan Demme's Silence of the Lambs from 1991. Thank you for listening to the Grindhouse Institute. Please enjoy.
1: The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hello, and
0: welcome back to the Grindhouse Institute. I'm Brian Foster, and with me, as always, is Jeremy Floyd. Hello, and how are you?
1: Hi. How's it going? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doing okay. Doing okay. Doing okay. I'm
0: doing well as well. Um, just moved into a new place, trying to figure out all the decor around the house as we are uh, moving in, and I guess we're leaning toward now uh, human bone furniture and lamps <laughs> made of faces. Uh, I uh, because... wonder where
1: you're going with
2: that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stuffed birds everywhere. Just yeah. stuffed birds in every room.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're we're uh, we're gonna watch a couple, talk about a couple of nice films, and we have a special guest with us today, a repeat guest from the Dark Side of Trek episode, Adam Furberg. How are you, sir?
2: Hey, everybody. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. This is so this is so yeah. wonderful. Welcome back. Thank Welcome you. Welcome back. I think I feel like I am back. I really am. And I just yeah. I have the <laughs> two of you to thank. I'm I'm on yeah. it.
0: Um So you um you. Came I need more thanking. Keep, keep yeah, going. Yeah, keep I to say probably yeah. one. Well, you
2: know, you always smell good, and you just you sound like the voice. The sound of your voices is always very soothing. I listen to the well, show more for like just for comfort, not so much yeah. for content. We smell yeah. great over Google Hangout, but you really do. You really do. Now. You oddly smell just like my place. It's really right. it's yeah. really in, yeah.
0: Yeah, we're trying to keep a little commonality between you and I. Exactly. (laughs) So you came up with Today's Block. You had a special name for Today's Block, and um, I'd love for you to uh, introduce that.
2: So uh, we we were bouncing some ideas, and at first we started with, why don't we do the Psycho movies? And then it kind of changed into the Ed Gain Trilogy. It, it went from there, which I actually, I'm really glad that we did that because I hadn't seen a couple of these movies no. in a minute. actually allowed me to bust out my Criterion Collection DVD version that I think I ordered used. <laughs> I think I did that used like 15 years ago on Amazon. And it was, uh, you know, before we knew that these, like, it was a gigantic evil corporation. It was just a place to get Criterion (laughs) used movies, you know, with the old, with the eye logo. Remember the old eye logo? Like, it was in, like, the the cool, like, it was just, like, an eyeball. And they had no money to pay for this. (laughs) And they chose, all right, fine. Just, like, we'll sketch an eye. That'll be the logo, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, they turned into, like, the greatest DVD company in the world and they put yeah. the, the, the reason why I wanted to get this it's the Silence of the Lambs one is the third movie of the group I wanted mm-hmm. to get this one because um, the Silence of the Lambs DVDs that they put out after this like off the Criterion because it was limited uh, they didn't have mm. any of the, the audio commentaries like they have commentary uh. with, with everybody on their own mm. from the movie and it's, it's it's really it was a real uh, nerd moment for me when I had this <laughs> so I definitely came to all five I, of them it was fantastic
0: I also uh, watch Silence of the Lambs through Criterion but through the app Um, and they've got an entire block of seventies horror movies and that was one of them that were on there from, um, the Halloween, um, stuff. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They promote that all all the time on, on, Mm. online. It's fantastic. They,
0: they also put together some, some excellent film blocks. Yes. Um, Well, um, can you tell us what this Ed Gein trilogy um, consists of? Yes. So, as I mentioned, just to
1: let you know, like uh, Silence of the Lambs is on Blu-ray now too. So it's uh, it's uh, Ah. it's back, baby. Yes. Awesome. All the media. Here we go. Hopefully,
2: it'll be hologram version too. That'll be really. That (laughs) would be kind of interesting to see, like that final scene, like just wearing like a VR headset. Oh man, (laughs) because it really is. Yes, exactly. So the three movies are uh, Psycho from 1960, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, which led into a fantastic franchise on its own. Um, uh, Then we have the 1974 Toby Hooper movie called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Awesome, fantastic. In the similar way that Psycho kind of birthed uh, the slasher genre, uh, Texas Chainsaw set a lot of... Future uh, uh, motifs and themes and ideas and and common traits that would show up in a lot mm-hmm. of future films similar to that, and then finally close out on the psychological horror, uh, a choice of the bunch. Um, the Silence of the Lambs, released in 1991, directed by Jonathan Demme. Awesome block, um, and I, like we were saying before, this was
0: um, these are three classic movies um, for very very obvious reasons. These were. So good, walking, watching these again. This is
1: the first time I I think we've had like three all classics, right? Like all like. This is the first time. You know. Yeah, everyone has seen or heard of these movies, even if they haven't seen them. You know, right. They they know of everything in these movies because they're so just you know ubiquitous in pop culture. We're not you know? pulling
0: up the uh, obscure shit in this one. This <laughs> yeah. stuff that everyone knows. No, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, rewatching these, I probably hadn't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre in ten or fifteen years. Oh um, wow! At least all at least all the way through from the beginning. Interesting. And I just forgot how incredibly good that movie is. Like from a cinematic standpoint, from an editing standpoint, from just an overall story. It's like a, a mad sequence of events that happens in the annals <laughs> of history, um, and it is um, was was really
2: a, a joy. So thank you for uh, thank you for suggesting these. This is this is just been so much fun to really throw, <laughs> go back and. Throw back. The first time I actually saw Texas Chainsaw was um, uh, not the first time I'd, I'd seen it, but like the first time I'd seen it forever was actually at the cemetery, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, uh, last Halloween oh, cool. or like the Halloween before that. It was really. Uh, quite an experience to take it in all like that, you know. It almost felt like the first time I'd seen it, even though it wasn't. I think I saw it, like, years and years ago, similar to you, but, like, I got to have that experience, and it just blew my face off once again. Because
0: none of us would have been old (laughs) enough to see it in a theater, and that's kind of the closest thing. Yeah, exactly. Plus, that's one of those really um, fun um, movies to see in a group because it is so shocking in in parts, as well as people know what's coming, you know, and you can Mm -hmm. kind of feel that anticipation, especially when that steel door closes and Leatherface makes his first kill with a sledgehammer. <laughs> and
2: then that's... It's such an iconic scene. I hope they actually installed a synthesizer into the wall so that when the door closes, you actually hear that. like, Wah. like It's probably
0: the most high-tech thing in that Right? Yeah, yeah, that's where all the money yeah. went.
2: Everyone else lived on that's... five bucks in fried bologna sandwiches for the Everything else street. is... Yeah, we're the just going a the chair door. made of bones. <laughs>
0: Here's this plate made of fingers and then also there's a synthesizer <laughs> in the door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's start with, um, you know, obviously Ed Gein. Maybe we should do a little history on who this is, because that would make sense as to why we put these
2: movies together. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so do you mind doing that, or did you want one of us to take control? Well, here's... I know very little about the guy, and so I'm just going to read a little bit that I've pulled up here. So it's, it's weird how the movies kind of line up with the story of, of his life, because in the way that... The mother in Psycho, the kind of controlling mother that never let him out of her sight, may have abused him either physically or mentally, that seems to be present in his life. He had an alcoholic father that the mother hated, but for some reason they were still together. He dies at a young age, leaving the family, and that kind of leads into Ed Gein kind of being a mama's boy, not going anywhere. It sounds like she was actually a rather abusive person. Then you lead into the different stories of his murders. Either he was known for severing Mm -hmm. parts off of people and collecting their bodies, which is something that would show up a lot more in, like, maybe the Texas Chainsaw than in Psycho. Mm -hmm. So that's where, like, the different pathologies show up. I think Psycho is the one that really discovers what the mother control could do to somebody, Um, whereas Texas Chainsaw is more about um, all the horrible Brutal, gory, uh, uh, just mutilation when I mean, you mutilate uh, yeah. a body that way. That's what the that movie's about. And, the and then trophies and whatever, right?
0: And then I... the, the taxidermy though in Psycho too, where right. exactly kept the mother around, yeah, exactly, exactly. The taxidermys got definitely the birds a key part. and his
1: mother uh, taxidermy.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, both. Sorry, <laughs> you'll, you'll, pra- you'll practice on birds and
2: then you'll perfect on your mother. <laughs> and then um, Silence of the Lambs is fantastic because while it's a horror film in its own Right about a serial killer who has his own ticks and everything. Mm-hmm. It's very much about the search for the killer, yeah, and again, story. how we, the first two films really discovered the two different kinds of pathologies that may have showed up. Silence of the Lambs is about discovering what those pathologies are, and then knowing how to go and seek out one of these killers on one of their sprees.
0: And using a, a former killer or a current killer, actually, in the movie, but a person right. that's incarcerated as, you know, right. the person that can get into the same headspace
2: as
1: right. the killer that you're exactly. searching for. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and he also just sort of just happened to have uh, treated this guy at yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> one <point in> time. <laughs> <Moffat>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Moffat. <see>. Wonderful coincidence.
0: <laughs> Clarice, come back here. His name is Buffalo yeah. Bill. Goes yeah.
1: here now. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> That was the one thing that kind of threw me off. How did he know? How did he? Please, hang on a second. I, I've got all the information. Just yeah, right.
2: come back here real quick. Come back here. Real quick. That was the one thing that I never quite got. How did he know that his guy was already dead? And he how knew did the he whole know- time? He I, knew I the think whole that time. That's
0: what- that's what you're supposed to to understand is that he has, he knows who all these killers are that are out in the world. You know, once he reads one story about him, it's either he's treated him or he knows someone in the, in the business. You're like, this guy is a a prolific psychiatrist. Cause that's who he was.
2: He was the guy that interviewed all of them. He, and yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, he, he's the one that treated them all like, uh, you know, in the Thomas Harris Mm -hmm. narrative. Um, Yeah, Psycho, um, to revisit this movie, was um, extremely exciting. Um, While it's a 1960 movie, it, again, feels very current. Um, I want to bring up specifically the sequence of Arbogast in that movie as being one of my favorite sequences in any movie ever. Um, The second that uh, this private investigator shows up trying to find Marion Crane, and he um, finds... uh, Norman, Norman Bates goes into the house and that's that scene of him walking up those stairs and that strange deep focus or whatever the hell is on the camera at that time when Uh, he's walking up. Reverse zoom. Yes, it is. It it just it is so like it tears up my stomach when I watch it. And then they cut (laughs) to that bird's eye view of the of the mother of Norman coming out of the room Uh with the knife. And man, that is
1: still an effective scene. What's kind of fascinating about that. So I. Um. I'm actually really glad about the timing of this. If we had done this one before Trek, uh, I I wouldn't have seen the version of Psycho that I saw. So, just recently, uh, an uncut version of Psycho came out. What? And... What? Yeah, I know. I've seen the movie, you know, a hundred times, but apparently I've never seen the movie because the version that played in the theaters uh, that came out in 1960 uh, was subsequently... Uh, trimmed certain uh, moments. And that was what was sort of re-released theatrically, played on television, and put out at home video for like 60 years. Wow. Um, And then just whatever, a couple weeks ago, you know, a a month ago or something, the uh, Blu-ray and and 4K Blu-ray of the uncut version came out. (laughs) Of Psycho. Of Psycho. What's different about them? Exactly. Uh, There's something like... Uh, 15 seconds of a difference uh, but <laughs> what, like the, the the three places that I remember are when Norman looks through the peephole uh, you know we, we see Janet Lee start to get undressed she starts to unhook her bra in the, the cup we've all seen a hundred times it would cut back to his eyeball and then we cut back through the peephole and she's got a robe on in the uncut version there's a little more of the bra coming off uh, and then when I thought there was something different about the shower scene but I, I was like right when we first got on uh, I was still kind of watching them side by side just uh, to see what it was and the, the shower scene seems to be the same. The, the difference in the shower scene is sort of after you know when, when Norman's like you know first pulls her body out and drags her onto the shower curtain he looks at his hands and they're bloody and then he, and then in the version we've all seen a hundred times he is instantly sort of like washing his hands. But, in the uncut version, we see his reaction to seeing his hands and then you know going into the the bathroom and like not knowing what to do with his hands, and then like washing them off and like mm. you know there's a little more of that moment and then what what kind of prompted this was that the other part that i I noticed was after Martin Balsam falls down the stairs, we see just a knife kind of come in the top mm-hmm. of the frame and and you know leave through the bottom of the frame in the version. That uh, we're all familiar with, we he you know the knife stabs once. There's kind of a scream and it fade out. Uh, but in the sort of 1960 version, uh, he stabs like three times. Oh uh, wow! Four, 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 four I think I saw out.
0: this version. You
2: mean at the bottom of the stairs, right? When he when he's
1: mm-hmm. when he
0: jumps on t- or mm-hmm. Norman jumps yeah. on top? Yeah.
2: I recently acquired a, a copy of the movie digitally, and this is the one that I have. What you're describing, oh, wow. I was like okay. the other yeah. two scenes. Like, wait, he did check his hands, and then now I'm like, no, she did stab him three times. Like I yeah, think yeah, you're yeah. describing the one that I have.
0: I thought one of two things you were going to say. One of them was that there was wasn't <laughs> going to be such a jarring cut with Sam Loomis and Norman wrestling before Norman makes his way back to the house to meet Marion's sister to finish off the movie. <laughs> You know, there's like a weird jarring cut there when they're uh-huh. like wrestling. Yeah. I thought there was gonna be more there Ooh. hoping, ho- hoping that, yeah, exactly it's just yeah. and then the other one was I thought you were gonna say that the uh added um sequence there when Norman's looking at Janet Lee through the peephole was the Vince Vaughn version of that from the Gus Van Sant when he <laughs> When he turns into multiple MIGs. <laughs> when he turns into multiple MIGs, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've got blood on him. <laughs> Look at it. It's, Wow, that's I, I, it's it's crazy to think that there is a director's
2: cut of that movie or an or an uncut <laughs> yeah. version of that movie now coming right. out. Are you both familiar with the story of him getting the script approved, mm-hmm. of Hitchcock? Mm-hmm. So there was a copy of the script, and um, I don't know if there was a copy of the script or was a copy of the movie, but they basically the studio said no, we're not we're not releasing this. And so he waited some time. He didn't change a thing, didn't didn't change a single part of it. Showed it to them again, and they approved it. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, no. I I, I don't I know if it was a it was, cut of the uh, movie or
2: a, a copy of the script,
1: but he yeah, didn't. It, it, it was a cut of the movie, and then it was like it was something like I, I thought that story was that, you know, they're like, oh, the the opening scene where they're just laying around in the bed, uh, you know, half naked or whatever. It's too racy, and like, why don't you go reshoot it? And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll reshoot it. And then <laughs> and then he just showed them the same scene. They're like, okay, it's fine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's badass. That's when you know you can do whatever you want, and anytime someone yeah, gives you shit. Is- just, Late in his career, right? Right. And yeah. Yeah. He
1: could, point. and <laughs> well, it, w- what it was is like you know this is sort of the '60s started to dissolve the Hayes Code, and you know it it didn't fully get you know erased until you know sort of mid 1968, which is so, sort of how uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead kind of got through all that uh, censorship. Um, but you know Hitchcock would always have these sort of famous battles with them over this stuff, and in in this one you know i guess yeah there's a lot of uh, sort of legends about how he <laughs> you know pulled this one off but you know it went in you know very consciously of having to to fight them over this stuff like you know this is the first time an american movie has shown a toilet let alone a toilet flushing in a movie it's like you know all, all that weird stuff from the Hayes code where it's like you know uh, pe- people can't lay in the same bed and all this stuff and that's why you have I Love Lucy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, twin beds uh, across <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> across the room from one another and all that, all that kind of stuff. But how did they get that's little what was, Ricky? It, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's that's what the Stork delivered him. <laughs>
2: I remember Storky. That was a good episode. Storky's a good character.
0: <laughs> I got to say, um, Psycho is uh, a perfect example, as we've seen a bunch of Alfred Hitchcock movies during our pod. Um, this is a great example of how he can mix humor and suspense and mm-hmm. um, the, this horror, um, especially some of those uh, the the first girl that was working with Marion, the other um, administrative assistant, uh, when she said Teddy is furious when she when he found out I was taking tranquilizers. She was trying to give her <laughs> tranquilizers <laughs> to chill out. That'll really help you on your, with your headache.
1: There. Yeah. He was flirting with you. He must have noticed my wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're the uh, world-class movie star beauty, Janet Lee, but... Uh. <laughs> I, I love the guy that she embezzled. I felt like he
2: totally deserved it. Just the way he oh, was... Oh, he did. Yeah, just yeah. the way he was talking to her and throwing his cash I down. I
1: declare, well, I don't.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I get to keep it all. That's what he said.
0: <laughs> that was a great line. Um, but th- this guy came in um, with in cash, which I'm sure is probably, um, I don't know, half a million dollars at this point. But 40000 in cash, this guy just dropped it off. And not even uh, Janet Lee's mo- or boss wanted to even te- to keep that in, in the uh, in the office. so that, that was too dangerous. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can get a check from him later. Um, but yeah, this guy was um, kind of a creep right off the bat. And I do agree with you, Adam. This guy did deserve to get his money taken away, especially for how he <laughs> talked
2: to Janet Lee. <laughs> yeah, no, he's asking to be stolen from, and he deserved. He got what he deserved.
1: Well, it, it, it was. It, it's this interesting thing that uh, you know Hitchcock did throughout this movie of like finding ways to get you to sort of uh, th- the audience on board with the motivations of a certain criminal right mm-hmm. so th- th- think about that that scene where it's like okay this guy's being really creepy uh, Janet Lee's in a desperate situation and she can't marry this guy who's uh, you know having all these other problems debt problems and mm-hmm. then you know his ex-wife and all this stuff and then you know she finds this way to, to start over and break out of this thing and you, you you don't feel bad for the guy who's getting ripped off because he's such a creep mm-hmm. and then you know, you're, you're following her and, you know, how is she going to do this stuff? And then we have uh, the scene sort of in the parlor uh, with the sandwiches and the birds and whatever, which kind of you don't know it yet. I guess the first time you're watching it. But that is to endear you to uh, uh, Norman Norman. Mm -hmm. when he comes back to clean it up because you don't know that, uh, you know, he is mother or, you know, well, but you you probably do, I guess, because it's like everybody, even if you haven't seen it, you know he's the spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah.
2: But like, guys, I didn't even watch any of the movies. This is all new to me. I didn't prepare Holy for Ed shit. Gein. I didn't watch the movies. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> who's Thanks Janet? For coming, Adam. I mean, you mean ja- uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's mother?
1: <laughs> Wasn't she in The Fog? <laughs> With Jamie Lee? Yeah. No, I guess they weren't in The Fog together, right? Yeah, they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Janet Lee's the uh, yeah, the old lady
2: in the movie, and H Two O. Oh, oh right, Janet right. Lee's in H Two O. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I got to rewatch that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all over now. I can't miss a Janet Lee movie, guys.
0: I I think you're right though, uh Jeremy. He 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 is brilliant at at making you um feel for Norman and you're right, it's hard to watch mm-hmm. this movie and forget about that he is the twist. And that is the twist that mm-hmm. he is mother mm-hmm. or mother is him um and that she is eventually going to take over. Um but trying to forget that while you're watching it. You really do feel for this guy. He feels you feel like he's too sheltered of a person, and you can mm-hmm. tell that he doesn't have many social interactions. Well, he's,
1: and he's been abused well, it, too. Especially with that that, that like private uh, traps speech where it's like, you know, she's like, Well, sometimes we all step into them inadvertently, and he's like, Well, I was born into mine. And it's just like you're it's heartbreaking. Yeah, like, I, he's clearly letting and, her know
2: that he's been mentally and possibly physically abused mm-hmm, by his mom. Mm-hmm. We're all in our private traps clamped in them and none of us can ever
1: get out we scratch and and claw but we never budge an inch
2: sometimes we deliberately step into those traps i was born in mine i don't mind it anymore oh but you should you should mind it oh i do (laughs) but i say i don't
0: and that's him talking to her and that's i think that's kind of what i was thinking about after watching this movie is you know you find out that Mother would take over, you know, 50% of the time of Norman's life when by the end of it she was taking over 100% of his psyche. Um, But, you know, those times when Norman is the one talking, you really do have a sense of, like, a different person there. Um, And you you don't really—again, it's hard to watch knowing what the twist is, but you you do feel like he might be a normal— Person, um, at least at the beginning of the film, it's possible. or 50 minutes into the film, I should say, because well, that's the, when you meet him. Yeah. Part
1: of it is the the Norman side of his personality or whatever is sort of you know pathetic, pathetic and sympathetic, yeah. and you know you, you you feel for him in a lot of ways, and then like the the, the mother side of him cool. uh, is is the psycho, right? Right,
0: exactly. She, we all go a little mad sometimes, Jeremy. Let's, let's, let's be a little bit more sensitive there, right? Well, yeah, the boy's best go. friend is his mother, after all. Yeah. I wanted to bring up the um, scene where um, uh, Janet Lee finally, or Marion Crane, finally makes it to the Bates Motel. And uh-huh. when she's driving in that car, and I know it's an effect that they did with the lights coming toward you know, a, a stationary car with the water being hit with the windshield, it's still very uh-huh. effective, you know, the effects that Hitchcock was using, the techniques were incredible. Well, it was um, the score. It was, when, it was the combination she, of the score as well. I love Right, that. yeah. Oh, the, the music is Bernard Herrmann, um, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, when she's going from driving, she can't really see. And then all of a sudden it gets very muddy, not muddy, but wet on her windshield and you can't see it all. And all of a sudden the Bates Motel just kind of appears there. And it's that big mm-hmm, sign. Mm-hmm. Really reminded me of um, In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, uh, When they're driving bet- <laughs> from the one town or from the regular town, from the regular world into the Hobbs End town. And the, that the kid on the, the bicycle. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just kept, it felt like the same thing. It was almost like she was like falling into a nightmare and she ended up in hell, mm-hmm. more or less, which was in this instance, the Bates Motel nightmare. It never rains at the Bates Motel.
1: Right. <laughs> I always forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I always I, I kind of forgot about that. Like, because um, you you're just so used to the. Uh, see, I, I mean, I'm I'm so I have most of the movie kind of memorized, you know. But it is interesting that like as she's driving at night in the rain and then pulls over into the motel, it's like there is kind of a lot of traffic out there. It's like it, it's supposed to be this sort of deserted highway, but I mean, <laughs> but but. but, but yeah, there's cars behind her. She does, remember she doesn't even know where she is. She doesn't realize that she was off the highway. And, and part of it is because she's like you know frantically trying to like move away from the cop and and kind of like yeah. You know, remember like know, yeah, the beginning his, of the movies uh, of her
2: being paranoid uh, about her. stealing this money. Like this, mm-hmm. we're not even we don't even know what's coming next because right. there's
0: the combination of you've got the Bernard Herman score that's starting to pulse mm-hmm. really hard and that bum, her bum, the, bum. the voiceover in her head of all the different people that are gonna find her out when she you know either turns herself in. Or the mm. the conversation that she's having in her head of her boss um, talking to Cassidy and being, you know, that conversation she hears. So there's like this yeah. really hard well, like sense like, I of paranoia. I can't paranoia. believe she did that. Yeah. She
1: was flirting with me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's, and then she smirks when he when she
1: thinks yeah. about that. Like yeah. she's
0: like, yeah, maybe I did a good
2: thing. It's a really, really awesome scene. I want to know how did they get the movie, uh, the music from Reanimator for this film? <laughs> How did they make that happen? That is the
0: same score, right? Like, it's so similar. It might be off by, like, one But how did they get note. the rights
2: to the music from Reanimator when right, it was in the past? Works.
0: Exactly. Yeah, Blows my mind. Wow. Alfred Hitchcock yeah. could do anything. He's a time Adam. traveler. He's a time traveler. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, but also, like, just part of that, uh, going back to the the parlor scene a little bit and and Anthony Perkins, like, I mean, Want some the, sandwiches? The, the, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, 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 his performance is just so amazing in this movie. And, you know, he, he does sort of balance that, like, sympathetic and and then the sort of, like, um, you know, the, the really, like, like dark, you know, roiling, uh, uh, you know, madness underneath. But it's, like, it's hard to tell at first, you know, uh, that, that, that that's there, it, you know, because you, you just think it's part of his, like, antisocial sort of behavior. Um, but it's like, you know, you, you think about like the casting choices, like if, if, um, he had been cast more like Ed Gein or like more like the Norman from the novel mm. where he's, he's kind of described more like the, uh, the, 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 the family in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or like you oh, know, really? more kind of like Leatherface a little bit where he's like just overweight, you know, just like, you know, uh, a messy, you know, kind of disgusting guy. It's like. You know, just like in, in Texas Chainsaw, where everyone's like, oh, should we pick up a h- hitchhiker? No, he looks like a freak. It's like, you know, because Anthony Perkins doesn't look like a freak, because right. he's, you know, just so handsome and, like, so unassuming and, you know. More of a um, Ted Bundy you know, type. So, so, so tame. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, uh, it, it becomes all the more, uh, you know, scary, and you, you could sympathize with him at w- when you first meet him.
0: That's a good point. It is like Ted Bundy, because he was unassuming. He was yeah, a you know, decent-looking person. He but
1: wore a bow tie pretty... and drove a
2: VW Bug. Like, he was a yuppie, dude. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's this, uh, it just blew me away how much... You don't even know what's coming in the first act. You have no clue. It's a completely different and movie. You were
1: so invested in that story of the like, of sort of pulp... Uh, pulp story of her stealing this money yes. and like and doing that whole thing. That's and, the first it, act of the like, movie. It's a completely yeah. different
2: film. And then you get yeah, you get this horror slasher in the second act and you get this kind of investigation that kind of rolls into both in the third. It's You're mm-hmm. almost watching mm-hmm. three different films. I,
0: I think you're right in that that is how the acts are broken up, but you almost get three full acts from Marion Crane's story alone, right. and then it starts her sister and mm-hmm. the investigation with Loomis to try to
2: go find her. I... Sam Loomis, yeah, 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 yeah. Or as my yeah. Halloween costume
1: was Jumis. <laughs> <laughs> I think we lost Brian. <laughs> Very proud moment for me.
0: I, I know we keep going back to the uh, to the parlor thing, but there was a, yeah. there was something that Norman says in there that I, I think totally solidifies what you're saying, Jeremy. Is he couldn't say the word bathroom when he was showing mm-hmm. her his room or her room? Mm-hmm. There was yeah. he could show her anything that was in there. In, and he had, uh,
1: there. Yeah, you know he I mean? couldn't. He couldn't even. Say, and I
0: don't think he even said it. I think he she didn't. said it. And yeah, mm-hmm. he didn't. Um, and I think that that just completely goes along with his, well, his and, character. And, and
1: that's that's interesting because you know that part of it is sort of this um, that thing that uh, Eileen uh, pointed out when we were talking about the gothic ghosts thing about how like this movie took the the idea that sort of Victorian like, that gothic house and you know mashed it up against the modern right. with that that hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see the parlor as sort of like this weird, uh, you know, brackish area in between where it's like it's sort of a, a Victorian parlor inside of a, right. a mid 20th century, uh, you know, motel. And and that aspect of it, you know, is, is very much like sort of a, the, the the pulling of, of uh, the, the two uh, opposing forces and in uh, norman's mind right it's like it sort of you know manifested that way
0: wow that's yeah that's great and that that room that parlor is so damn scary um those shots especially the way that it is filmed that one where there's yeah. an, a giant owl <laughs> looming over the scene and it fills right. the frame so beautifully um and then well, the other a, one is a like man's an,
1: hobbies are supposed to you know pass the time not fill it, <laughs> not fill it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's all he has
0: but he, kind, yeah. he did kind of remind me of the Buffalo Bill character because the Buffalo Bill was also a, you know, a specialist. He was, in this instance, a tailor and an ethymologist, mm-hmm. I think they call that, a, a bug mm-hmm. a bug expert. Bug guy. You're a
1: great big fat <laughs> girl. <laughs> I would fuck me.
0: <laughs> so that's interesting. So in the book Psycho, he was more like, uh, Norman was more like <laughs> Leatherface. He was more of just like a... Uh, a quiet you said mm-hmm. oafish type or yeah
1: like, yeah o- oafish and you know sweaty and you uh-huh. know you know gross and you know it's like um yeah and it's like if as a sort of a, a master stroke to get the audience to like switch gears for who they're following and not even notice it like you know you you cast anthony perkins in that role and all of a sudden like it it takes on a, a, a fully uh you know Different set of characteristics. He's almost the 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 protagonist behind this guy. Once that, once
2: that part, and he and he has to take take care of everything. Suddenly, he's the protagonist of the film, whether you like it or not. Then you really feel for him, right? Because he's cleaning up his mom's mess, right? Yeah, right. right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, in an effort to hide a crime, he's actually kind of the good
1: guy now. It's really weird. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and 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 what's kind of cruel with that is like that you know Hitchcock you know makes the audience uh, a, a a participant in that crime you know a party to right it, you know an
2: accessory to murder
1: accessory yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I
0: think this this movie has so many different genres within it you know being a horror being psychological horror being um detect a detective film you know a missing persons film all that I think that it's it's just so successful on so many levels and the way that it looks, still, it's just so beautiful. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> the cinematography is
1: amazing. Like, especially that shot where I think um, it's either Sam. I, I think it's when Sam comes out the, the first time to like by himself without Vera Miles, and he sees Norman, and and he's like, Norman, hello. You know, he's looking for um he's looking for the other guy. What's his Arbogast. name? Arbogast. He's like Arbogast. Yeah, and we see. You know, Anthony Perkins on the edge of that swamp, having just dumped Arbogast in there. <laughs> exactly. In <laughs> but, all black but, at this time. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's kind of, you know, a three quarter overhead. And then it's like pushing in on his face. And, like you know, there's barely an eye light there. And it's just this. That know, was this kind of the moment, shot. I think,
0: where the movie said, hey, this guy might there might be something up with this guy. You know, mm-hmm, just giving mm-hmm. those hints to the to the audience. Right. And that was that turning point for Norman, I think.
2: Uh, that was the probably the turning point where Norman had to really turn on the side of him that could control both things, knowing that, all right, this is, uh, now I'm under a real threat. I killed the first mm-hmm. person, I killed the next one, but now there's someone else showing up? I'm screwed.
0: Well, because he, ha- he has Norman would be cleaning up a mess that he as mother was masterminding. Right. And so he had to kind of bring those together, and I think that that's when you start seeing – you know, more of the instead of the fifty fifty, the seventy five mother taking over to twenty five Norman, right. and then she was mm-hmm. trying to handle stuff, and then by the end, it's again all mother. It's all mother um, with, <laughs> with the fly in her face and or the fly in her hand and everything. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't even know to fly. <laughs>
1: uh. I love that. I love that so much. No, but I. I you know what's funny? Like I, I think the, the the scene that like gets a lot of criticism is the like oh let's yeah. explain everything at the end, right? We talked about but that I, in Gothic Ghosts. I, yeah, I, but I, I actually I really like that scene, and I I, I like do too. The, the guy. He is the sort of the movie's Hannibal Lecter in a way, yes. and like you know, it's like a, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and you can imagine off-screen he's doing the same shit Hannibal is. I don't he's know eating we'll people, see. but like, <laughs> yeah, that's where they make yeah. mistakes—they leave their victims.
2: Right. <laughs> that's I really right yeah. Way. I eat them. Yeah, all. I the You'll way. have to check my poop. <laughs> <laughs> Because he does, the guy has like a radio announcer voice, right? Like after this, (laughs) and this report is brought to you by Michelin Tires.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess I could see where where people would complain about that only because it's very expository in a movie that does so well just speaking cinematically. Um, It does. But this one, I think it was very important to describe or to explain exactly what was going on because it is pretty confusing at the end. Especially for mm. a first time seeing that as Norman coming out with a dress and a wig on, you're like, "Oh, this, okay." So, how many left turns are left there, in there in this yeah. movie?
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: wearing a wig and a dress. What the hell? <laughs> I, I was I was thinking back to the um, to the Gus Van Sant the remake uh, movie of this. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the remake of this. Never did. No, but no. I think when they're walking through that last, or when uh, Marion's sister's walking through that uh, that taxidermied. Bird room that, that Norman's got. I think they really uh-huh, upped parlor. the bird ante
2: in, in the Gus Van <laughs>
1: Sant. I think there were a lot more birds. <laughs> There's a pterodactyl in there. Uh- <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's animatronic, like they move. There's like lights yeah. and shit in their eyes, and ah! it shoots out smoke like a cheap toy. So you did see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else with uh, Psycho
0: before we, we, we visit the Sawyer family? I will say oh. this
2: about um, the last scene. I don't think we get the scene where the mother does the voiceover and he's looking at the fly and says, I wouldn't even kill that fly. Mm -hmm. We don't get that scene without the expository doctor scene. I I think you're right. We don't get that. So I think you. okay. so it's fine. It's expository, whatever. But it sets up another landmark classic scene shot in a movie. Now
0: I'm wondering how effective that movie would have been had that skipped the psychiatrist explaining Norman's situation and just went right to Norman in there with the voiceover.
2: I'm just wondering. I don't don't, think it would be effective. I don't think it would, because I don't think you needed to connect the dots. Yeah. And you just, yeah, it is expository, but even, remember again, like he's wearing a dress now. Like they just hadn't quite connected that yet
1: to me. Right. It also like filled out some of that world there a little bit. You know, we, we had a lot of stuff with like, Oh, green lawn cemetery and whatever. And like, and then the the some of the missing persons cases or whatever were sort of tied into this and
0: and the nasty thing that happened there at the motel
2: back when <laughs> ten years ago. There's yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. a lot of history down that road. Down that <laughs> road. Don't go down that. Don't road. go down that road. We're having fun. We're having yeah. we're having a
1: lot of fun today, guys.
0: <laughs> Anything else from Psycho before we move on to uh, Leatherface and the
1: gang? No, I, I'm sure I'll think of something later. Uh, and be like, oh wait, let's go back. And, uh, <laughs> I, I'm good to. Uh... We'll fix that in post. Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, um, I like I said before that um, I hadn't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre in its entirety in a very long time, and re-watching this, I forgot, A, how scary it is. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really well done. It's still very effective. Um, n- and not only that, but I, I always think back to this movie, and I know people talk about it as feeling like a... Like a documentary feel, and, you know, it was almost like a home movie, and, you know, almost like an original found footage in a way, but I I completely disagree with that now, especially after watching it again. While it does have that old, washed-out film look about it and graininess... Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is still very well composed. Mm-hmm. There are incredibly great shots there. Um, yeah. some of the tracking shots of the girls walking think, into think of the that house, moment, like right yeah. after.
1: Yeah, like the, the guy. You know, we first see uh, Leatherface. Le- yes, we, we cut back to the woman on the little swing. Yes, underneath we start underneath the swing. It you know, she gets off the swing underneath. and like, and it, we we you know, push in with her walk to the house. I mean that shot was amazing. Amazing, and like it
0: was like, how the hell did they get the camera under there? Wait, you're like, saying
1: like, you can't, can't get push. that with a Super 16
2: film camera? <laughs> yeah, exactly. you can't get well, landmark it... tracking shots with a little little handheld mini <laughs> right. DV camera, guys.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, it, and and the, I I think that um, maybe misconception comes from like the way that people like don't have a good way to uh, mm. describe the the feeling of it because you know the movie is grainy right and it, and it is uh you know uh with, with some of the really ultra wide lenses inside of the van uh at the beginning or whatever like there is something that that feels kind of documentary in that sense or we're in the house and they have a handheld wide angle on some of those bones and, and this mm-hmm. thing or that thing um and so like that part of it reminds people of documentaries but you're right i mean th- there are so many other like sort of staged and well composed and, you know, um, uh, really well put together sequences and moments and, and shots and whatever that, like, it's not the same thing as, you know, a documentary style, per se. It,
0: and masterfully edited, um, when yeah. especially in these chase scenes, specifically when um, Franklin gets uh, his ass kicked in the chair and gets the chainsaw to the belly, which, <laughs> a, again, that's one of those things where people are like, oh, Texas Chainsaw mask it's all blood and guts. It's not really. It's filmed from behind, you know, that reverse right, angle right, of, right. The, of the... Of the chainsaw going in, and you see Franklin die. And when, um, uh, Ma- what is Mary? Is that her name? Sally. Oh, Sally. Sorry. When Sally takes off, and then Marilyn Leatherface, is the
1: actor, if that's what you're thinking of, Marilyn. Yeah.
0: Uh, when Sally takes off, and Leatherface is coming after her through that forest. Oh, uh-huh. um, they yeah, are yeah. chopping in and out of between her and running. A close up of him running. A close up of her running. And it's so mm. fast, it feels so current, and it's like again giving me goosebumps right now. But very, very <laughs> effective chase scene. And they probably went. 20 feet, you know, when you right. think about the production of it. Yeah, yeah. No, they,
2: they would reuse shots, for sure, if they could just mm-hmm. get a different, like, few seconds of it, but it would be the same shot and just composed that way.
0: Uh Watching this again, I was kind of... Uh, um I was brought back to the fact that Leatherface is your killer for most of this movie, mm-hmm. and you feel like it's this guy with a human face on his head um, in his house alone until... You know, Sally makes her way away from him, away from the house or away from Leatherface and then ends up back at the gas station slash barbecue joint with Mr. Sawyer, the barbecue professional that brings her right back to the house. And then all of a sudden you go from one killer to, to four, including grandpa right. and grandpa, right, grandpa. <laughs> and grandpa. What the hell is grandpa? I, I still. Th- I, I thought that guy was dead the first time he saw him. Like, <laughs> the, His grandma is. Grandma is. Grandma and grandpa yeah, yeah. are sitting together, and grandma right, is right. clearly dead. But grandpa is hanging on by a thread only because they keep feeding, <laughs> feeding him finger blades.
2: Well, and this is how we connect the movie. So grandpa is actually the kid from In the Mouth of Madness. Grandma is actually the body from— Kind of the
0: same makeup.
2: Yeah. Grandma is the dead body of Norman Bates' mother from Psycho. This is how we get all the movies come together. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah.
0: This so, is why you're back on this show, Thank you
2: for my, my wily insights and the reuse of characters <laughs> and props and time travel.
0: Um, this movie has some of the best slasher movie kills of all time. Oh, yeah. um, I'd say from Kirk. I believe Kirk is the first one that gets it. Um, yeah, he's the one that takes the hammer to the head right off the bat. That's the first shanking you The with her face. The synthesizer. Yeah, Pam, Pam takes the meat hook. She's the one that's placed on a meat hook. Again, it's really well done. You don't see anything. It's like you see her going up meat hook and then she goes on, lands on it she doesn't you don't see the blood it's really well done um and everyone else gets it gets it pretty bad too i mean the one fella or one girl i think gets stuck in a in a freezer and then obviously franklin gets the chainsaw right to the belly which is just intense (laughs) um but again this is the Honestly, it's one of the most shocking movies, um, and they don't really show too much. And it's still one of one of a big shocker even to this day. It,
2: everything about it holds up. Like absolutely everything about it. It's as scary as anything you can see today. It has elements of the way that they don't make movies anymore. A lot of elements of the way that they do make movies because people steal a lot of stuff from this one, particularly oh, yeah. the use of a chainsaw in a horror film. Like that's just that's okay. this movie's thing. And that, when you think about right. it, like it's it's such a simple addition to it. And it's so pervasive nowadays, it's in a lot of horror movies, The Chainsaw is just an element. But this is literally called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're not... They're not shorting you on what you're getting. It's very disturbing. No, yeah, not at all. It's don't. This ain't a rom-com. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they, they aren't gonna kiss and make up at the end unless like they're putting their lips on the chainsaw itself. But that's a different film. But
0: it starts out. They have. A, it, it feels very real. It feels like you're getting a report from you know a narrator of a documentary. In this case, John Larroquette in an uncredited role of the voice of the narrator. Um, talking about this crazy moment in history of the Annals of History The West
2: Wing season 1's John Larroquette I was thinking
0: more of The Night Court Oh yeah oh, I he, love he, Night Court I love that
1: yeah.
0: show <laughs> <laughs> So you got Dan Fielding telling you about this this nasty business with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Sally and her invalid brother and then mm. you are right into this dead body sculpture that again is a beautiful shot it's like a crane shot that starts at the oh, head right. and then you see the full reveal of this strange thing. By the
2: way, has has anyone ever heard this strobe of a flash from a photograph a, a camera ever make that yeah. sound before that <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: But that sound made the movie. It did. Like that that was like the iconic sound from that movie. That's all you know. When they
2: from. when they put out the, mm-hmm. the remake, that was the ad. Like that was, yeah, exactly. it was used almost as like a percussive tone throughout the entire mm-hmm. commercial. Yeah.
0: Which made sense because it brought me right back. Right.
2: <laughs> no, it's a complete reminder that, oh, this is what we're watching. In this one, mm-hmm. do we get Leatherface's name?
1: I, I don't think so,
0: right? No. No, um, but they do say Leatherface. Uh, so that, but the, we don't get the hitchhiker's name, but he says Leatherface and me when he's talking. Um, yeah, I know I heard that too, but no, uh-huh. he never. He, they don't call him Bubba. Because I think his name is Bubba in other in other versions. Of, mm. Yeah,
1: but, but but they do say that the, the name Leatherface, like like that's the part they say. Okay, yeah, Leatherface is the mm. only one that actually gets a name.
0: I don't even think Grandpa, <laughs> Grandpa gets a name too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. God, that was that's that's such a fun scene when she finally breaks out and, and Grandpa's taking those swings, you know, like trying to hit him <laughs> with the, with the hammer, and well, when the, she busts like out of that his window, hand, to do yeah. it. <laughs> like, get her Grandpa, get yeah. her.
1: He 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 can he can hit him with one stroke and it's like dropping the hammer.
0: <laughs> she finally he finally got a good one in there. <laughs> yeah.
2: I love when she jumps out of the window. I think that's just so like superhero yes. heroic. She's badass. Well,
0: the thing is, is that you are in this hell right. of of this household, and you don't un- you don't know it yet. But
1: it is night. It's daytime outside. Yeah, because doesn't she like jump out from the second story? yeah yeah uh, the first time that and they're then chasing her come back to the the gas station and then get pulled into the oh right you know, she made her way back up two yeah times. this is the
0: second time when she jumped out and it was she jumped out of glass
2: two times she jumped out of glass two times <laughs> 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 um but that's when
0: we see the hitchhiker get nailed by that semi and that's, right. that's a that's a great fantastic get- oh, man how,
1: how much did you feel bad for the semi truck driver also like why did <laughs> they just drive away just drive where the hell did, the did he go guys. He just kept running, and he was kind of yeah. a big boy. I'm like, he's not going to get very far. <laughs> yeah, you with know. Leatherface coming after he's, he's, he's got better cardio than Leatherface, okay? So that's all you need.
2: <laughs> we should be happy that he's getting his exercise, and he's just getting in his steps. You know, he's, he's doing yeah. his part. He wants to be a better person.
0: That sounds like a great app for, like, a workout system. It's <laughs> like you, you, you hire some serial killer to yeah. chase you with a chainsaw. <laughs> you'll, you'll burn a lot of calories.
1: You don't, have to be, uh, you don't have to be that fast. You just have to be faster than the guy with the chainsaw. <laughs>
0: So, obviously, our relation to Ed Gein in this would be the bone sculptures, the lamps, the furniture, mm-hmm. all of the human remains that are created mm-hmm. into different household well, items. Right. They oh, had a lot useful. of
1: taxidermy in this one as well, right? I mean, Yeah. The, there were yes, definitely so stuff it, birds it, everywhere. Not, not just the, uh, the uh, I guess, the human taxidermy stuff, but like also some of the birds and whatever else. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, there so was a psycho. bunch of them, and it seemed like they were not only creating taxidermied birds, but they were also combining those with other things to make art out of it and mm-hmm, the the mm-hmm. production design in this was just so fucking good that when right. they would do those little so close-ups and inserts too, yeah. of all the stuff you're just like how the fuck yeah the shot of the that? bench
2: that was that's the
0: the exactly it looks like a throne of bones right. it's like <laughs> wow is that cool <laughs> how much yeah
2: (laughs) this is a good one
0: this is a really good movie i i don't think i could ever get tired of watching this and never
2: slows down once it starts it's much like much like psycho like once once it puts the foot to the gas it does not let up
1: no i agree Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i mean this one uh i you know maybe we'll get to this a little later but I, i felt like out of the three like was sort of the odd man out or whatever like you 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 don't get to know any of these characters, or whatever the way or the, the pathology of anybody, the way you do with the other two films. Correct. Where you, you really get to know sort of everyone. In this one, it's you're like rolling down a hill, and it's just like yeah. you know, until you get to the bottom, it, essentially. And it, the it, only it, narration it, that we get that would give us anything
2: is at the beginning, as opposed to at the yeah. middle or at the end, the way that the other two films were. Right, right.
1: And and it's funny. It's like it takes like I don't know what like the, the movie is eighty minutes long or something, right? But like it takes about forty five of those minutes to get that first uh, leatherface kill right mm-hmm. um, or or possibly a little more but you know the movie starts off with such a, a hit of horror with like the the flash bulbs, and then you know pulling out of that uh, you know the the the, the corpse sculpture mm-hmm. in the graveyard up there uh, that you're now all of a sudden just anticipating it for that 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 first uh, you know I don't know what like 35 40 minutes after right. that
0: right but 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 they've already like chilled you out a little bit in that thirty minutes because it's just a bunch of people hanging out in a van, right? And then
1: and you're that, like, well, how's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? What's right. going to happen? Yeah.
2: And it's similar to the shower scene in Psycho. It happens right around the middle of the film when you yeah, suddenly exactly. when everything turns right there is kind
1: of somewhere in that halfway point. Well, and yeah, gotta, and, and, and I wonder, yeah, if it's if it kind of it kind of lulls you. I mean, like obviously you know something's coming, but like and the hitchhiker is still intense. You, you don't right. kind of see the like uh, the hammer coming until. You know, it happens.
0: But the way that they they shot Leatherface of, you know, Kirk, like kind of looking up and seeing Leatherface mm-hmm. and they almost like zoomed in like a like a like a tilt up at him. And you just see him with the hammer and it's really slow. And then he comes down on him. It is like one of the scariest moments in a movie. Um, and then when that door closes, it's still at, right. when I first saw that as a kid, <laughs> scared the shit out of me when I had to pause that, man. When the door closed, I was
2: done. I was like, no. I'm never watching TV again. I'm out. This is... this is." I hate horror movies now. <laughs>
1: and, and, and then you, you changed your life, you know? It changed your life. <laughs> yeah. And now we're talking about it on a podcast. Yeah. Yay.
0: I'd say Leatherface is a little bit different than um, uh, Buffalo Bill or, you know, Hannibal Lecter and the fact that he does not speak and has... Pretty much zero intelligence, although he seems pretty handy around the house and <laughs> yeah. handy around he's all the tools. Quite the carpenter. That he is. Yeah. yeah exactly. very, very talented with, with his woodwork.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or bone work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he definitely feeds the, the most, he's the most slasher villain of the other two. As, as much right. as like Norman Bates stresses his mom is, is definitely like the germane person in that lineup. Um when you think of, like, the—it's funny how this is a 70s movie, but you still think of Leatherface with that 80s cadre of horror characters. Yeah, exactly. Especially That's because the, the sequels he's are with,
0: there. He's with Freddy and Jason. He is. And, he is. Yeah, but similarly
2: yeah. how Michael Myers is, because there were more Halloween movies in the 80s than in the 70s. There were more Texas Chainsaws mm-hmm. in the 80s than in the 70s. So I see how that follows up, especially with the sequels.
0: Because the sequel came out in the 80s, right? Right, 86.
2: Oh, so, I mean, that was 12 years after the first right. one. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, 74 for the Texas, yeah. Have you ever I mean, seen um,
2: a... Next Generation with, uh... We had a podcast about <laughs> it. TN- that's, that right, about. TNG, yeah. that's right, TNG, that's right. I knew that's
0: one right. That went off the rails, and boy, I wanted to bring that up. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, that
1: movie has nothing on this one. <laughs> uh, but isn't... Wait, but, but it Jesus. ends the same way. It's like a Leatherface in the sun, and... <laughs> yes or no, yes
2: or no, McConaughey's actually pretty good, in spite of how whack-job <laughs> that fucking
1: movie is. Yeah he uh is nuts that's for he sure. plays crazy He he's plays like crazy I, I can really do well. crazy guys yeah, yeah. but man th- think of how, how ted levine does crazy and think of how anthony perkins does crazy and right. it's like how much scarier the, those versions of crazy was what what i didn't know when we uh watched uh texas chainsaw massacre tng uh what <laughs> was that like the guy who wrote and directed uh tng the, the part four um was the co-writer of and co-producer of the the first movie, uh, Kem Henkel? Oh, which blows my mind.
2: Well, you know, yeah. sometimes you don't always it, bat a thousand, gentlemen. Sometimes, sometimes you strike out looking on
1: three pitches. Well, a- as it turns out, like you know, he he didn't want to do the movie, and he was like roped into it, and you can kind of tell. <laughs> 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 He's like, yeah, okay, well, I'll do this. It was uh, one of those six packs. Y- a y- night y- you guys want to get, get an extra take? No, nah, no, nah, one's good. I think we can, we can shut it down for the night. <laughs> for protection? What's to protect? It was perfect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um,
0: so uh, we can move on to Silence of the Lambs or The Screaming of the Lambs, depending on which one you want to talk about first. <laughs> 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 directed by Jonathan Demme, who also directed Stop Making Sense, the uh, the Talking Heads uh, music video, live music mm-hmm, video, which mm-hmm. is one of the coolest music videos ever. Uh, this movie shares a lot of the cinematic sensibilities, I feel, that a, a, a music video does, in that it plays visual before it plays expository. And this movie fucking rocks. Let's just put it out there. Um, rewatching this one, I couldn't... I forgot how good this movie was, it, and it is incredibly good. It's funny
2: that you mentioned um, the shot selection being very much like a music video. I think a lot of the shot selection takes its cues from the psycho specifically how many head-on shots there are, how many shots there are of the ca- the characters looking into the camera.
0: POV. POV.
2: That's very yeah. much a Jonathan Demi style. It showed up a yeah. lot in his movie Philadelphia a couple years after this. It is mm-hmm. literally
0: Clary Starling's point of view throughout this film. Whenever we get a new location, it's her scanning the room, it's mm-hmm. her looking around, you know, finding out where we're at and I agree with you.
2: A yeah. lot of... And then those straight-on shots. Yeah, yeah, the straight-on shots of Janet Lee, the ones of the detective, the ones of Norman at the end of the movie movie a lot or as Clarice and then you have um uh, Anthony Hopkins character Hannibal Lecter looking at the camera a lot because he's talking to her those and even like Scott Glenn's character um the the, Mm -hmm. the FBI head of the department they're always looking at the camera and that's a Jonathan Demme thing he does in a lot of his films and straight out of the psycho and I love that yeah
1: also that um the intensity and the shallowness of the focus Mm -hmm. on those uh those uh, you know POV shots, yeah. It really reminded me of some of those shots in Possession, uh, Brian, when we were we were talking about that uh, a couple weeks ago. And it was like, you know, when Sam Neill would just like look down the barrel of of the camera, and you know, Isabel and Johnny would do the same thing. And yeah, and and it's 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 used to such like great effect in this, uh, like you're saying, Adam. It's like um, it really, you know, it sucks you into those moments, especially when she's you know confessing about her past and all other things. There's an
2: intensity to it. You know, it, yeah. the, again, the way that you describe the focus, you're, there's nothing else to look at in the shot, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, they do that intentionally yeah. to force you to look at their eyes and then hear the stories that they're describing, the, the the horrible pain that everyone's gone through. It draws you in and it builds you up to what you're going. You're going to get a roller coaster feel later in the film, but until then, you just have to listen to what it could it could look like, but you have to just listen to what it sounds like. It's funny that you just say that there's not a whole lot of exposition in this film. There is and there isn't. I think that there is, but it's so crafted well that you really are hearing yeah. people mm-hmm. describe themselves as opposed to what's happened A to B to C, but things that have happened themselves in the past that informed their choices, that, you know, why they're here.
0: I think this movie um, mm-hmm. starts off similar to, um, we were talking about uh, recently, we did a, a show on gothic horror films, and we included The Shining in there as one of them. And The Shining kind of hits you over the head right off the bat with, You know that horror, that that big music that's that's pumping, and then the credits look strange, Mm -hmm. and I feel like they did that with Silence of the Lambs too. They're like an inverted credit, and and it just is kind of it's different from what you you know you're used to, Mm -hmm. and it's like it just makes you question right off the bat what you might be getting into. And I thought that that just as bringing up like something similar to The Shining uh, that we had just seen, so that thought was interesting. A simple way Um, to make something intense, a simple way to make someone feel like this mm -hmm. is uh, this isn't right. And that's a gr- with again a great score behind mm-hmm. it, and it and it all all comes together really beautifully. Yep. Um. So she's uh. So Sterling, um, Starling, um. Clarice is trying to get in, into the behavioral sciences, um, department at the FBI, um, with Scott Glenn's character. I can't think of his name right now. Jack Crawford. Jack Crawford. Yeah. Um. I love his character, and I love how how she really owns who she is, even if she is just getting out, uh, done with training. I feel like she portrayed this well. And I think Jodie Foster, um, deserved every bit of uh, recognition for her role,
2: uh, or her acting in this role because it is, it is it's brilliant the best. and very believable. It's the best. It, you yeah. know, this is one of those films, I think y'all, you probably know this, but for the listeners, this is the film that won all five of the major Academy Awards, picture director, actor, actress, and screenplay. And specifically, Foster, everyone always says that Hopkins is like the man of this film because he's he's only in it for mm-hmm. a few minutes. So really, yeah. it's Foster that does a lot of the load bearing. She's carrying this film a lot, and she kills mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. there And that's the reason why, like there was no question who was going to win the awards this year. This was far and away the best film of that year. As much as we say Psycho and Texas Chainsaw are sort of standard bears for the horror genre. This is the one that actually got the horror genre over the line where it was like, this is the best movie of 1991. There is no argument yeah. about it on every facet. And this it's a horror movie, and it's fantastic.
0: It's absolutely a horror mm-hmm. movie. Um, it is 100% a horror movie that includes horror icons. Roger Corman plays a role mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. George Romero's in it at one point. It's like, obviously, George Jonathan... George Romero's d-
1: in it? I, I missed that.
0: So when, um, when Lecter is transported to go meet the senator...
1: Uh-huh. In, in um, that little hangar?
0: Exactly. At mm. one point, um, there's a group of fellas that walk away from him. You know, he's in his muzzle and all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And Romero is one of the people in the group, like just walking away with people. Yeah. Oh, it's shit. like Jonathan okay. Demme was like, "Yeah, we need, we need all my favorites. Come on, let's go. Get in here." <laughs> yeah. Well, because uh, um, you know,
1: Jonathan Demme got his start with uh, with Corman. But Corman's got a line. Yeah. He tells the uh, He tells
2: the hot yogurt joke, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> oh wait, no, Roger. Oh, I'm hot. sorry. I'm thinking of Philadelphia. He's in Philadelphia. Just, Roger Corman makes an appearance in Philadelphia. Roger
0: Corman's the guy that basically says, um, oh, did you guys make up some phony plea deal yeah. uh, right, telling right. Lecter? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. He's- but, but
1: yeah, like so So Jonathan Demme, you know, uh, started working for Roger and like, you know, it, one of his first movies, like the Caged uh, Heat or whatever, one of those things, okay. the, w- the women in cages uh, films. <laughs> um, oh, is it
0: a prison, like a woman prison? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I miss exploitation yeah, like the movies, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will anyway. do a block
2: on those. Fantastic!
0: I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> yeah. um, this movie um, has uh, so many elef- elements that I love. Obviously, the horror and the violence and all that, but also it feels like mm. an X Files episode, mm-hmm. especially yeah. when they go to well, talk to those bug the FBI. The, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the guy, the guy with the cross eyes. He reminds uh-huh. me of the smoking gunman. The oh, the the, 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 lone the lone gunman. gunman. Yeah, 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 yeah. The lone gunman. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, the smoking gunman. <laughs> <laughs> I put two of the characters together. The smoking
2: man. <laughs> the smoking man There's of the three smoke. smoking guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're smoking out of a gun. You know, like how they smoke yeah. weed in platoon. How he blows the weed smoke into the yeah. barrel of the shotgun. <laughs> and again, no, a similar really... kind of thing. That shot is all head-on. It's all. Those are all head-on yeah. shots between Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Defoe. And we're just kind of mm-hmm. looking at. Yeah, <laughs> would you like to get some dinner with me?
1: Are
0: you hitting on me, sir? <laughs>
1: yeah, and he she goes, Yes. <laughs> Don't you like hamburgers and beer? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean that's a way to way to a girl's heart is hamburgers and beer. There you go. Um I, I, I again I think that this movie is so brilliantly made. I mean, there were, there were things that made sense, just the fact that he, he needed to find larger girls. He needed to starve them to stretch their skin. in Are you a size 14? Are you a size 14? And she's like, what? <laughs> that part scares the hell out of me because it is, yeah. it, it is so well done. Ted Levine looks like he can't get that thing up into his van. Yeah. And when he gets her in, there, he's, like, he's like, do you mind just stepping up in there real quick? I, I just want to make sure I can get it to the back. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. He's so sweet about it, and then he is just a nasty, nasty person. Doctor Chilton in this is very much Doctor Silverman from Doctor uh, from T. Two. Oh yeah. He's the doctor that's just trying to get his career propelled by yeah. you know studying Hannibal Lecter totally, and totally. yeah yeah you know,
1: he, he's a lot less subtle about it too he's like that's yeah, exactly. Chilton C H I L <laughs> Baltimore can be a great town uh, especially for a FBI agent as attractive as you like, it's like, fucking it's like total creep I do
2: like how uh, Lecter gets Chilton at the end. I'd have to say he
1: again, similar yeah, to how yeah, the yeah. guy in Psycho I deserves to have his money it. stolen. I, I, I remember that he ends up in the dr or whatever, but like it. I, I forgot he's like, yeah, I'm gonna have a friend for dinner, and then he it, it like shows uh, Chilton leaving the plane or whatever. For yeah. the witness protection program or whatever that was. And then
0: the, the wig that uh, Lecter had on at that point too, with that like Cuban hat on. Yeah, like the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <so good. laughs> but at one point, I don't know if you notice if you watch it he, while he's talking to Clarice, a, a, a bug land, a fly lands on his oh, right. face, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. in Psycho. And I'm like, oh yeah. shit, was that? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if they planned that or what, but I mean, it was a happy another accident, element, huh?
2: another thing. We're like, keep that's the. I shot. really,
0: lo- I really love that ending. Um, I, I think that it, it goes from like. The film ending, and it, and it is Clarice that, that solves the case, that kills mm-hmm. Buffalo Bill, mm-hmm. right, that finds him. Um, I, I, first of all, that sequence when you've got the FBI that are about to knock in the door and you think that it's Buffalo Bill's house, but it's not. It's just Clarice going to see him, and they're in a completely different spot. I thought right. that that was one of the hottest like edits in, in a movie. And then the movie ends again with uh, Lecter coming back to kind of make his little final grand— Grand exit by saying, Yeah, I'm gonna right. go eat this guy now. That's been <laughs> an asshole to me for the last ten years. And then I'll go to Florence. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Duomo.
0: There was also a shot of a fingernail in, in Bill's pit when um uh-huh, the right. the young yeah, yeah, I was like, that was Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Which is
2: another red yeah, game exactly. thing. That's another he he would take fingernails right. off his victims. But I
0: think this one was like people trying mm, to like climb up and it and you know, they lost it in the in the wall. Pretty nasty.
1: What's so nuts is like there's that um there, are these really subtle moments where you see Jame Gum's uh, little living quarters in the basement there, and he has this quilt over his bed with swastikas on it, and I I wonder if that was like a you know um, part of the thing they were kind of like nodding to as well, like the sort of like t- type of thing that they were they were you know Nazis were experimenting on at one point of like you know yeah the, the, the human uh-huh. lampshades and shit like that. Wow. What if it
2: wasn't Nazis? Because then it's like one more thing to add. Like, what if it was like actually like kind of like a woke statement? Like, it was like freedom to this <laughs> these people who are oppressed. And then also I kill was... people. So like it would have really made people really ask and question who they were. Because it's like Nazis. Now I really hate this guy. You yeah, know I mean? exactly. <laughs> like you weren't so sure until you saw that. Now he's okay. Now he's an anti-Semite. So now he's evil. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what if but it was
2: different? What if the guy, again, because he's, he, he's, he thinks he wants sex change. So what if he's like a trans rights person? And then it kind of like, whoa, okay, interesting. He's woke now. Well, it,
1: they did actually, you know, address that in this. Yeah. Lecter talks about how he uh, thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Just in the point of like, you know, is he or isn't he transsexual? And then the idea is that he's not. Oh, he's not. No, mm-hmm. yeah. That's fascinating. Fascinating. I missed that part. He wasn't eligible for the surgeries or whatever, oh, but like, oh, interesting. I, th- I th- this is right around the time where Sterling uh, is promising Lecter the island, right? yeah, the the Anthrax Island or whatever. Anthrax <laughs> Island, <yeah. laughs> you know, he uh, lays out the psyche of Buffalo Bill, and you know, it's because you know he had analyzed this guy, and it's like this like massive coincidence that like, that this is the case, right? But you know, he he was able to sort of like inform the audience that that. Uh, James gum believes he's transsexual and, and that he's going to do this uh transformation on his own but he, but that that's not what that is because his transformation
0: was going to be right. through anyway. the skin and the suit of the woman yeah, that he was building around him
2: right right, right? that it's that was rooted in having shape, to but, murder lots of people to accomplish it there's nothing but right. then that's
1: <laughs>
0: but that's also where all the death's head moths came from right that that series of transformation Mm -hmm. that they also would go through. That was his version of that, his cocoon. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that that was such an amazing parallel between the two. And I think that it's interesting that he's in many ways an an expert. Uh, Buffalo Bill was a, was kind of a genius in many ways. Um, You know, being, being an expert with the, I know it's odd to say, but human leather, if you will. (laughs) Um, You know, it's a talent. Um, Manual sewing machine.
2: Hey, I'm Buffalo Bill. You can come on to my human emporium of human leather. (laughs) Come on down Saturday. We got got half
1: off. Handcrafted human leather. I took half off or bought it, half off prizes, half off everything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the the like the the Texan Beetlejuice. Uh, yeah, voice. chew yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a dog. <laughs>
2: Which again circles us back to the guy with the money at the beginning of Psycho. Oh, it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. guy. Yeah, there
0: you go. <laughs> uh, this was so the good. first time that I um I did, and I hadn't seen this in a long time either. But uh, the screaming of the lambs discussion with uh, Clarice's dream mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that she was kind of opening up to to Hannibal Lecter. Now I was kind of confused if if Clarice was kind of like faking him out, um, because she was very smart. She understood who Lecter was, and she knew that she could play into his his ego as being a, a very intelligent person. Uh-huh. And I felt like at one time she would she was telling him something that he wanted to hear, you know, like a big, a dream that would you know kind of feed into to that. But I I think that that was legit. But I might have been confused from the original time I saw right. that to this one.
1: I mean, I I, I guess you know. It is possible because we do see how she, you know, outsmarts him at, at certain points. Yeah. But, like, it, it's not presented as we're supposed to question that. Like, it, we, it is presented as, like, that's supposed to be what happened. That's and why we're you know, given dream sequences early from her, mm-hmm. too. Right. Her her dad did die, uh, you know, so right. we, we do kind of know that part. I mean, and her uh, brief stint with her aunt in Montana or whatever, you know, uh, this is supposed to be the explanation. And and then also it kind of, like, is, is this, like insight into her like why she's so driven to to do this thing because she's trying to you know, you know battle her own demons and you know think that this is going to help solve that right and and like impress her father right and that's what um yeah that
0: too Craw- crawford tells her at the end you know your dad would be very proud of you and i think that that was a big moment for her.
2: everyone's trying to accomplish something that they don't quite have you know that's it's it's the motivation of Buffalo Bill, it's the motivation of Clarice Starling, it's the motivation in some ways of Dr. Lecter, of getting out, of everyone's trying to change their surrounding in some way, their lot in life with their choices. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's great. I'm really glad we got to go down this rabbit hole of these three films that you'd think would be, they wouldn't, you wouldn't think that they have a lot in common beyond like their basic plot points, but they really have a lot in common even deeper than that. The scores, the shot selection, um, you know mm. different characters showing up to do similar things um, each movie has a taxidermy to owl in it for sure, yeah, exactly uh, exactly you know
1: hu- human heads uh, um, <laughs> preserved <laughs> in all three of them
0: well two two of these movies actually had people wearing other people 's faces on their face, yeah, so that was a nice consistency but, or yeah, dressing so in someone like. else
2: 's clothing you know like yeah right. it's 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 really um I'll, i i didn 't think that these three films would have that much in common. Again, beyond the very basic understanding that they were, as all the same character, the person that they're based on.
0: I mean, I thought, I thought Buffalo Bill by the end, when he started putting on like part of the suit that he was making, it felt like
2: Leatherface, or he was starting right, to Right. Become... Yeah. Like that's. You could argue that was the most Ed Gein of all the things that we had seen. And we, again, yeah. it, it, beyond that, not really. Before, it's the more the investigation of that character, where you could see you, maybe we saw more of the character in Psycho or in in Texas Chainsaw. But now, that was the most head-on.
1: This is that guy. This is who he is. This is what he did. So, with the Ed Gein connection, I, I remember you were, we were talking about like you know he had you know skin lamps and and uh, slippers and whatever else he made. But um, did he? you know make the uh the face mask uh type of thing
0: masks made from the skin mm-hmm. of female heads Yep. um a corset made from a female torso skinned from shoulders to waist
2: leggings made from human skin one of his killers was actually named wow. uh, Mary Hogan and he would he kept her skull and he made her her face into a mask specifically her
0: hey ed can you put some pants on? can <laughs> you put on some jeans? You
2: mean you mean you mean blue jeans? No, these are jeans legs. <laughs> Jean, you know from next door <laughs> Put in a couple of jeans. I'm going to go put on my hairier legs. It's getting warm outside. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: are You when you are, Sergeant Perry. All right, gents. Um, I think we've, we've just about covered all of the human skin we can for the day. This is fantastic. Hey, this has
2: been so much fun. I'm so glad I got to watch these old uh, classic movies all over again. And thanks for having me on and exploring our... Favorite parts of this cinefantastique. That's that's what they're <laughs> about. Cinefantastique. Cinefantastique.
1: Yeah.
0: Thanks for All setting us right. block up, Adam. Um, to recap, we watched Psycho from 1960, Texas Chainsaw Massacre from '74, and Silence of the Lambs from
2: 1991. Three completely different eras of films, by the way. That was probably my favorite part of all of this. These are yeah, three yeah. very different moments in, the mov- in, the, in movie making. And you could see, as much as they have in common, you could see their differences as well. And that's what I really loved about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you, you think about how uh, still sort of buttoned up things were in 1960. Uh, mm-hmm. versus, like, you know, the very next film where everything's, you know, T-shirts and jeans and and uh, overalls and shit. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you really just see these are really distinct eras there. It's pretty mm-hmm. great.
0: Uh, Adam, thank you so much for joining us again. Um, we would love for you to, you know, help um, pitch yourself, promote yourself. What do you got going on? How would you like us to follow? Yeah, uh,
2: you can follow me on all socials at Adam Ferberg, F-E-U-E-R-B-E-R-G. It's a fun last name to spell. That's why I had to do it for you now. <laughs> um, also, every Saturday at six o'clock, I have a show on Facebook Live called Adam Cuts Fruit where I, uh, I cut a piece of fruit. My wife, Rachel, holds the camera and judges me all throughout. And really, Fritzy, <laughs> our dog, is the star of the show. So if you want to see a cute little dog followed by my wife berating me and fearing for my fingers. Give me back that goddamn dog. <laughs> it puts the back of the fucking basket. <laughs> Give me back my dog. Uh, yeah, exactly. So if you want to come see Fluffy, uh, come check us out. Uh, Six o'clock every Saturday, Facebook Live. Um, thanks again for having me. This is super fun. What a great uh, block of movies you got to watch today.
0: Thank you so much for uh, listening. Next week, we're going to be watching and talking about a block of Brooks films. These are films (laughs) written by a fella's name, Brooks. Absolutely genius. Um, I love this idea. (laughs) 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 Jeremy, what what are we watching? Uh,
1: Well, this is uh, going to be guest programmed. Uh, This is uh, from our our buddy, uh, Sam Kimbrell, uh, came up with this block. I wanted to talk about sort of comedy film creators uh, in the sort of late 20th century and how they sort of shaped our comedy today. And he picked out uh, uh, three movies that, that exemplify that. And, you know, these guys all happen to be, uh, have the last <laughs> name Brooks. So <laughs> so we're
0: going to be watching 1974's Young Frankenstein. I'm just realizing that that came out the same year as Texas Chainsaw oh, Massacre. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Lost in America from 1985, yeah. the Albert Brooks classic, uh, hilarious movie. Um, And then the Simpsons movie from 2007. So we've got Mel Brooks, Albert Brooks, and James L. Brooks as our Brooks block. I I love of all the
2: James L. Brooks movies. He picked the Simpsons movie. That's that's (laughs) wonderful. I haven't seen that in a long time, but I do love that movie. Yeah, it's really, it's good. Really good. Well, yeah. It is really good. I,
1: I, I think it's like, you know, a way to kind of cheat in the Simpsons TV show. Sure. <laughs> which is <laughs> which is his <laughs> greatest ac- ac- accomplishment, you know, for sure, for, for sure. For,
2: as accomplished as James L. Brooks is. Simpsons is the crown jewel. Same with Matt Groening. Everyone involved with that. Absolutely.
0: Fantastic. Um, so thank you for listening to the Grindhouse Institute. Make sure to listen and subscribe. Follow us on all the podcasts and social platforms all at the grindhouse institute and if you really want to give us a boost check us out on apple podcasts and leave us a rating and review it helps us to get noticed thanks so much everybody we'll be back next week ciao bye
2: it's sad when a mother has to speak the words that condemn her own son they're probably watching me i'll let them they'll see they'll see and they'll know and they'll say why she wouldn't even harm a fly